today, Waterview. I'm so glad that you're joining us today for our series. Can I have your attention, please? And before I get into the word, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor. And for those of you that are our VIPs visiting with us for the first few times, thank you for being with us today. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to worship our amazing, amazing Jesus with you. We recognize that you could be a lot of different places today, but you're with us and we're incredibly grateful. We've been waiting for you all week and we have prepared for this moment and we are believing that God is going to speak to us and that God is going to meet us here. And so we have a heart that's that's full and filled with anticipation and expectation. So thank you. And we just pray that this day is just one that fills you up with hope and with healing and and has you going out of here full of inspiration, ready to take on what God has prepared for your life so that you can live a life that matters. That's what our vision is here to make sure that all people live a life that matters. And so we've been doing a series called, Can I Have Your Attention, Please? Because it is very obvious to us that God is trying to get our attention. In fact, he has always been trying to get our attention, but sometimes we can be distracted. I've learned that as a parent with an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old, I have to at times be very persistent in getting their attention. And we are the same way with our Heavenly Father He's doing so many things to try to speak to us, to try to get our attention, to try to get us to align our hearts and lives with his heart, with his will, with his ways. And so we're seeing exactly how all that works. And today I want to direct your attention to Daniel chapter number five. If you have a smartphone, you can download our app. It's a free resource and in it, is a digital worship guide, and you can follow along with the notes. They'll also be on the screen behind me. But I want to direct your attention to Daniel chapter number five. And for a good while here this morning, I kind of just want to work our way through a very fascinating story. I want to share with you a story that, although happened thousands of years ago, is incredibly relevant to where all of us are in this moment. Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 1 says this, Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. So right there, this narrative has my attention. We're talking about a big party, and we're entering into the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we're going to be eating good And so this king, King Belshazzar, he gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. And so they brought these gold cups taken from the temple the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. 
Now, we can see here that there's not necessarily a problem with feasting or having a party or having a good time, but it gets a little bit sticky and it gets a little bit complicated when you go and you try to mix that with the things of God. Belshazzar becomes so oblivious to what is right and what is wrong, so wrapped up in what he's doing, that he goes and he gets things from God's temple, from the house of God that, that have been set apart for holy things, and he involves that into this moment of living it up. And this is actually very symptomatic of some greater things that are playing out in his life below the surface. Because it says that while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And then suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote. Now, I'll be honest with you here today. This, this very fascinating and even strangely eerie and supernatural narrative, this was, this was not necessarily planned for this weekend. But it's not lost on me that in a couple of days we'll be celebrating Halloween, and right now everyone is kind of focused on what's eerie and spooky and supernatural but as King Belshazzar and, and all the people at his party are just living it up, having a good time, a human hand just appears out of nowhere. It's like the Adams family. And a human hand appears out of nowhere and actually begins writing on the wall. So I, I couldn't think actually of a better message to talk about on the weekend going into Halloween, but it's purely purely by accident. But nevertheless, the Lord is trying to get Belshazzar's attention. Hey, king, can I have your attention, please? You see, chapter 4 ends, chapter 4 of Daniel ends with King Nebuchadnezzar, who's actually mentioned in this passage, having a heart and an awareness and an attention that is placed fully and completely on the one true God. This is interesting in and of itself. This is a, a miracle because historically speaking and contextually speaking, God's people, the people of Israel, they are living their lives and doing their thing when an empire, one of the great world empires known as Babylon, invades their homeland, invades where they live, where they work, where they go to school, where they worship, and their lives are turned upside down. They are invaded by and taken captive and taken hostage by a foreign culture with a foreign language, serving foreign gods, a, just a completely foreign way of life. And the Babylonian empire enslaved 
God's people. And for years, they did their best to function, survive, and thrive in a hostile environment. But due to God's grace and God's help, they flourished. And in fact, we see a number of different Jewish people rising up to prominence, rising up into positions of authority and oversight, blessed by God, and they're, they're making a real difference. They are making their lives matter despite all the odds being against them. And then God actually starts to work on the king of Babylon, the one that oversees this entire empire. And we're actually going to talk more about him and about his story next Sunday. But ultimately, it results in God getting Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And Nebuchadnezzar turns away from his false religion, false gods, false belief system, and turns to worshiping and honoring the one true God. And so chapter 4 of Daniel concludes acknowledging that King Nebuchadnezzar has his attention where it needs to be, and that is on God and what God wants for his life. Now his successor, Belshazzar, comes along, and he takes a completely different path. He is doing his own thing, living for himself. He's returned back to the old ways. He's no longer synchronized. He's no longer in tune with the one true God and his will for his life and his ways for his life. He's just doing whatever he wants to do. And Daniel 5, 1 through 5, is a beautiful snapshot of this. Belshazzar is living his life in such a way that he is not paying God any attention whatsoever. God does not have his attention. In fact, Belshazzar is living very carefree. We could argue that he is living very careless. His, his thought, perhaps, is, is like some of ours at times in different seasons of of our life. You know, it doesn't really matter how I live. I'm just going to live for me. I'm going to do me. And just living for yourself like that after an extended period then results in some other kind of heavier and more problematic things because we see now that Belshazzar, he starts off just wanting to have a good time and wanting to live for himself, but then he starts mocking God. His, his behavior and his actions and what he's doing, it shifts from just ignoring God to, to mocking God. He takes holy things. As I mentioned a moment ago, he goes into God's house, into the temple, and he takes utensils and other items that have been dedicated and set apart for holy service, for God to use for the, the blessing and the instructing of his people. Belshazzar takes that and he disrespects that, dishonors it in, a, in just a mind-boggling way. And really what we see here ultimately is that Belshazzar is connecting with and he is pursuing things. And this is what I don't want you to miss. 
He is connecting with and he is pursuing things that really cannot give you the meaning of life, that cannot really make your life matter. Because there's a lot of things that we do and a lot of things that we pursue and and we may view them as noble or noteworthy or valuable, whether that be career or family or entertainment, all of the different things that, that we excel in, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're making our lives matter. And so God, in a very big way, tries to get his attention. This hand appears, and I don't know if it's like a severed hand or if it's like the hand from the Adams family exactly how it worked, but a hand, a human hand. Imagine you're just at a party having a good time and a hand shows up and starts writing stuff on the wall. You're like, whoa, I've had a little too much wine, folks. (laughs) Somebody call me an Uber. I've had one too many old fashions. This is a problem right now. No, no, King, all of us, all thousand of us are seeing the exact same thing. Like, you are not hallucinating. You haven't had too much to drink. That is a hand, and it's not connected to a body, and it is writing on the wall. And so Belshazzar is like, what in the world? And and it's writing something that he doesn't have a clue what it means. And so Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says this. When all the king's wise men had come in, so Belshazzar's like, look, I can't do this by myself. Somebody help me out here. And so all the king's wise men come in, none of them. So we're talking about the Babylonian empire. They are dominating the entire known world at the time, filled with the best that human society can offer. And Belshazzar summons the wisest, most prophetic, most insightful people, and none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. And this makes it very clear to all of us who may be falling into the trap of Belshazzar where we're just kind of living our own way or maybe we've kind of gotten way out there that when God starts trying to get our attention, when God starts trying to move in our life, at times what's happening around us doesn't make sense. And we'll talk about it with friends and with the girl that does our hair and maybe the girl that does our pedicure or the barber or our buddy at work, and we'll try to find out what does all this mean? What's happening in my life? But this narrative in Daniel makes it very clear that you will never figure out your life apart from God. You can search high and low and bring in the wisest people that you know of, but you will never be able to figure your life out apart from God. And then finally, Daniel is is brought in. One who has fully surrendered his heart and life to God. 
who is being led by the Holy Spirit of God. His life is completely surrendered and dedicated. He is, he is one that was a slave, but because of the favor and the advancement of God is now making his life matter in a big way. Daniel, who is a, a man of God, he's brought in and he speaks some hard truths. He, he says in Daniel 5, 23, he says, for you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven. You've had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles, your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You've been just partying. You've been chasing after the gods of your world, the things that really matter in your world. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But the greatest thing of all, you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and who controls your destiny. You have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and who controls your destiny. Daniel has to tell this man, look, God is trying to get your attention because the way that you are living your life, completely oblivious to, to God's words and ways, is completely checked out. The way you're living your life is setting yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Belshazzar, I hate to tell you, and, and I think that God has to speak to me like this and to all of us like this at different times in our life. We have to be clued in on the fact that our life and all of its ways are not reflecting the God that holds our life in his hands. And sometimes we just have to be reminded that we are not honoring the God that is giving us the breath of life and who is controlling our destiny. God is holding our lives in his hand. He has blessed us. He has done so much for us, yet we are oblivious to him. And then Daniel 5.24 explains what's happening. Can I have your attention? So God has sent this hand to write this message. So you're, 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 you're oblivious, Belshazzar. You're just kind of doing your own thing. And God is doing whatever it takes to get your attention. Do you know today that this passage shows God's grace and God's goodness, although it is in a somewhat eerie and kind of spectacular way, it shows God's grace and goodness in such a real and powerful way. Do you know that because God is good, he'll send warnings into our life so that we can change? God will do things to get our attention, like send little warnings our way so that he can get our attention, so that we can make appropriate adjustments and appropriate tweaks 
before we suffer the consequences of what it is that we're doing, before we suffer the consequences of a life that's not honoring the one who has been so good, the author of our life and the author and the provider of all of our blessings, he's, he's going to try to help us as much as he possibly can. In fact, that's why today I'm, I'm calling this message warning signs. Because God is trying always to get our attention with some warning signs. I will comfort you with this. It's never, ever, probably ever going to involve again a human hand detached from a body showing up at your house and writing stuff on the wall. And can we say amen for that? But there are warning signs that come Warning signs that God gives us to let us know that it's time to lean into him. It's time to surrender to him. And so this is what happens next. Daniel 5 and verse number 25, it says, this is the message that was written. So now we're going to get down to figuring out what was written exactly. What can we learn from this? This is the message that was written Meeny, meeny, miny, mo. Just kidding. That's not what it says. Meeny, meeny, tickle, and parson. Meeny, meeny, tickle, and parson. And Belshazzar was like, see, I told you, it's too much wine. I've had too many old fashions. But this is what these words mean. Meeny means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and you're not measuring up. And parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and has been given to the Medes and to the Persians. So historically and contextually what is happening here is God is bringing a warning to Belshazzar and is giving him some insider trading. He's letting him know, Belshazzar, the day of the Babylonian empire is getting ready to come to an end. Another superpower is getting ready to topple you and to bring you down, and the world is going to now be under the thumb of somebody different, the Medo-Persian empire. But what exactly does this, this warning from God, what does it mean to us? Well, meaning, it means numbered. And I think that God today is trying to get our attention by letting us know that our days are numbered, that, that our, our life is, is measured, that there is an end to this thing. Like we don't know when it's going to be, how it's going to be, where it's going to be, but my friends, we are not going to be here forever. Nothing lasts forever. Businesses don't last forever. Churches don't last forever. Our lives don't last forever. 
And what happens a lot of times in our life when we are not paying attention to God and what he's trying to do for us, we forget that our days are numbered. We believe that we're going to always have a tomorrow. We believe that there's going to always be another chance. We figure and assume that we'll get around to it, and we forget that our days are numbered. But here's the thing. We have a limited amount of time. And I think that everything that's happening in the news right now with the unrest in the world and war and all of it, these are reminders to us, although we are somewhat very sheltered and blessed here where we live, it it is a warning. It is a reminder, meaning, meaning, your days are limited. Like you're not going to always have opportunity to capitalize on the present. And this is so important. You know why? It's important because anything that we think we have a lot of, we tend to squander. And anything that we think we have in limited supply, we tend to use wisely. And so God is trying to warn us at times, different times throughout our days, You have a limited amount of time. In fact, look at what Hebrews 9.27 says. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Meaning, meaning. I want you today to think about the reality that you may not have another five days or another month, or another six months. How would your life be different? What would you be doing differently? How would you be living if you only had 30 days left to live? What would you start doing that you're not doing? And what would you stop doing that you are doing? And only you know, but whatever those things are, it needs to happen right now. It needs to begin to happen today in this moment because our days are numbered and life is short. The next warning that God gives is Tico. Tico saying, your life is out of balance. And for us, <laughs> to Americans, that really, as they say, hits different. Because we do allow our lives to get out of balance. Our lives get so out of balance that there are kind of like shocking statistics to to show us this. Our our lives get way out of balance. We, We emphasize too much of this more than this. We put this as a priority rather than that. And we're chasing this instead of that. 
and our lives get so out of balance. In fact, some research here that I'll share that kind of humorously illustrates how out of balance our lives are. How many of us would say, you know what? I think that exercise and being fit is important and it's something that kind of matters to me. Whether you are actually doing it or not, a show of hands, how many of us would agree? Yeah, yeah, like everybody. Nobody's gonna say, no, I don't wanna be healthy and I, I wanna be out of shape and I wanna look terrible. I don't think, but if you feel that way, you're still welcome here. We love you, we, we do. But even though we fail at that, like we want it, but look at how out of balance we are. Over the course of an average American lifespan, we will eat out 14,411 times. And 1,850 of those times will be at McDonald's. We will spend, we, we, we here at our church, we're all about making our lives matter. We exist. Our vision statement is we exist to make our lives matter for all people. And yet the average American lifespan, we will spend 13 years and four months of our lives watching TV. We will spend five years of our lives waiting in line. The average person in here will attend 35 weddings. Hopefully not in the wedding, getting married 35 times, but that's another story. Attend 35 weddings. We will spend the average, the average person in here, we are going to spend, check this out, we're going to spend one year of our lives looking for misplaced items. So be careful where you leave your car keys. It's making a difference. Check this out. The average American, we're going to drive over the course of our lives 627,000 miles. You know what that means? That's the equivalent to 25 times around the world. And this one happens to probably be my favorite. We'll spend two weeks of our life, and I'm, I'm going for four weeks of my life, but we're going to spend two weeks of our life kissing. But our, our lives are out of balance. We say we, we want our lives to matter. We say we want to make a difference. We say we want at the end of our time here on earth to be able to look back on a legacy we're getting into legacy season, but we, we want to look back and say, I left a legacy. I left something of value, something important for the next generation, yet all of this. And then the last warning, the last word, God says, meeny, meeny, tico, parson. And that means divided. And what God is saying, he said it to Belshazzar, he's saying it to us. If you do not realize that your days are numbered, and if you do not realize that your days are out of balance, you will be divided. What does divided mean? It means not whole. Do you know that God cares about your wholeness? He wants you to be whole and healthy and well and healed, mind, body, and spirit. 
But when we get divided, it means that we're not whole. We're not healthy. And that, and, and that results in something very important to us ending up becoming destroyed, us losing something that, that we would say that we, we care for. And so how and why, how does all of this play out? Well, very simply, God's trying to get our attention, but we ignore the warning signs. We ignore the warning signs. So what are those warning signs in our lives a lot of times? What, what will give us a clue if we'll start to pay attention? And I pray that we will by the time we're through here today, where, where can we look? Where can we take note of some warning, some things in our life that could be giving us some insight? Hey, God's trying to speak. God's trying to get our attention. Well, number one, the risk of sinful choices increases. So when we can know that we are no longer paying as much attention to him as we should, that we're not leaning into him as much as we should, that he's not as much of a priority in our lives as he should be. When we start becoming risky and reckless with the choices that we make in our lives, where at one time we would think, how is that going to affect my relationship with God? How, how is that going to affect my spirit? How is that going to, to, to affect my, my walk with God? Instead of thinking through that lens, walking with the mind of the spirit, we start thinking, what, what is the closest that I can walk to the line and yet still be okay? Like, like what can I do here? How, how can I live my life in such a way that I don't step over the line, because I, I don't want is, because I want to I walk that line. And, and, and maybe I will just this one time, or with these friends, I'll try this, or I'll do that. And just we start becoming very risky with our choices, and the risk of us making sinful choices increases. Another way that we can know that God's trying to get our attention and and some other warning signs in our life, our emotions become very inconsistent. Maybe we've been a person that for the most part has always been pretty level-headed and even keeled, but then our emotions just start getting completely out of whack. We're up, we're down, we're kind of just all over the place. It's a sign that we're not whole, that we're not healthy. We have, we have an abundance Another warning sign is, as we start having an abundance of concerned friends and loved ones, people in our life that are, that are not thinking the worst of us, who, who are not necessarily judging us, but they just know something's off. They, they just can see that you're just not who you've always been, and you've just got a bunch of concerned people. And then the last, and maybe the greatest one, is... You, you stop hearing God. Like, here's a sign that, that I, I'm not keeping in mind that my days are numbered, that my life's out of balance, and that I'm not whole. I can't hear God anymore. 
Like I'm struggling, I'm struggling to plug in. I'm struggling to know what it is that he wants from me, but I just can't hear him. I'm just so, I'm so blinded. I'm so distracted by all of this other noise, all of these other opinions, all of this other stuff swirling around. I just can't hear God anymore. And you know what, Belshazzar, he did not obey or heed these warning signs. And verse number 30 says, ultimately, he dies. Ultimately, he reaches the end. So what, so what can we ultimately learn? In these last couple of moments before I close out, what can we learn from this? Number one, we need to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. We gotta live with a sense of purpose and urgency. What is driving, driving you? What is putting fuel in your tank? And do you feel a sense of haste about it? Psalms 39, verse number four says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We've got to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Then the next thing we should do is we should put first things first. We start, we start changing our priorities because the, the old priorities we had, they're just not cutting it any longer. We've got to put first things first. And this is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, and verse number 33, but seek first, everyone say first. first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. Put first things first. Seek first God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. Give him the first part of your day. Give him the first part of your finances. Give him the first part of your week. Give him the first part of your year. The secret to a happy life. The secret to a flourishing life. The secret to a fulfilling life is giving God the first part of our day, the first priority of every decision, and the first place in our heart. And here's the last thing as our team prepares to come. We got to live with a sense of purpose and urgency, putting God first. And here's the last thing we got to do now. We've got to do it now. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 2 says this For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Will you stand with me here today? Today, right now. Right now is the day. Right now is the time. You know, God in his goodness, God in his mercy, 
God in his grace allowed you and I to be here today so that he could speak to our hearts, so that he could speak to our lives. And I don't know what it is that you have been putting off. And I don't know what it is that you've been ignoring. And I don't know what it is that you've been delaying. But God is saying, look, you're only here for a short while. This life is so short and eternity is so long. Why why are you not living with purpose? Why why are are you not trying to make your life matter? And and will you you start right now? Will you you determine, like, I got to go after this more aggressively and more focused than ever before? For some in here today, this all starts with just shifting our attention away from ourselves and all things that we're doing, like Belshazzar, and actually getting our attention on Jesus and surrendering our lives to Jesus. That's called making a fresh start. That's called trusting God. That's called surrender. And that's where it starts. Some of us here today need to make that decision, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time, that we're going to turn away from the things that we want to do because often what we want to do is not the right thing. And we've seen that over and over again. And, and the Bible, it calls that sin. Sin is just an acknowledgement that we just can't do it on, ourself, on our own, by ourselves. We need a Savior. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came into the world. You know, when Belshazzar was wilding out and going down a completely different path, God sent a hand. But when it came time for God to change our life and to get our attention, you know what he did? He sent more than a hand. He sent Jesus. And a whole man, a whole God-man entered into the world so that his life and so that his example could speak to us. And today you just need to turn from yourself to Jesus and you surrender. It's that simple. Maybe for the first time, for the first time in a long time, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And then for others of us here today, we've surrendered our lives to him, but today is really about priorities. It's about realignment. Maybe it's about a recommitment. And I'll give you that opportunity as well. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And I just want you to know, friends, that that God is, is here right now and so much hinges on decisions and and the posture of your heart and all of that. There's so much hanging in the balance, maybe more than what we even realize. And I'm not going to embarrass you here today. I'm not going to have you do anything weird like step out into the aisle or come down to the front. But I'm wondering who here today would simply raise their hand and say, God is getting my attention. This is what we're going to ask you to do. No one's looking around. But here's what I want to ask you. If this is you, will you just raise your hand? And as you raise your hand, what you're saying is, I feel like God is trying to get my attention. And in this moment, I'm surrendering to him. 
and I am giving him my attention. I'm shifting away from me, and I'm kind of shifting it all to him. If that's you, whether it's for the first time or you're recommitting, reprioritizing your life, would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking around. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would just raise their hand? We're going to pray together in a moment. And it'll be a prayer that changes everything in your life, but you're just acknowledging, I see today God's trying to get my attention and I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to turn to him. I'm not going to be like Belshazzar. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? So many hands already lifted. All right, pray this prayer with me as we get ready to go back into one last song. Father, I thank you today. Jesus, I thank you today for your grace and your kindness. In this moment, I turn to you. I see you've been trying to get my attention. And so right now I turn to you. I surrender my heart and my life to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to give me a second chance. I'm asking you to fill my life with meaning and purpose. I'm asking you to help me with my priorities. Make me a brand new person here today. And now I'm going to follow after you the rest of my life. Teach me your words. Show me your ways. And I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's sing together, church. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, everything around me is shaking. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through 